0: This speech is my recital. I think it's very
1: vital to rock around. That's right on time. It's tricky. It's Here we go. It's tricky to rock around. To rock around. That's right on time. It's tricky. It's tricky. tricky, tricky, tricky. It's Welcome back into in the to Husker, rock, rock, Husker rock, Half Hour, episode two of this season. Bur 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 bur. We've got the run game out of the way, uh, and that's just not going to be concerned this year because we handled it in the episode. Uh, if you're worried about the run game. Just Don't kidding, be! You, know, <laughs> you should be worried about everything with this Husker team if we've learned anything over the past 10 years.
0: Yeah, low expectations uh, means we are uh,
1: surprisingly happy. Now that we've drunk the Kool-Aid about the run game, though, it's... to. Uh,
0: drunk the Kool-Aid? Is that proper? Drink the, drunk the, Drank drink the Kool-Aid? We're drunk the, on Kool-Aid.
1: Yeah, Go ahead. It's 11 a.m. <laughs> um, but... Now it's time to drink some Kool-Aid about the passing game. Adrian Martinez, mm-hmm. Luke McCaffrey, Omar Manning. And most importantly, Cade Warner's mustache. That's the biggest thing here. That's the biggest thing we're going to be talking about. We're going to spend at least 10 minutes on that. Let's do this thing. windows don't mean nothing they know. Okay, now that we have really taken you through the run game, you, there's got to be no question in your mind no. uh, about anything regarding the run game. I feel we have like covered I covered that extensively in half an hour.
0: I am intimately deep friends with each and every one of those linemen after that last episode. Oh yeah, I, I know. feel like
1: I know everything about them. I could name each and every single one of their birthdays.
0: You know, I had a conversation with Greg Austin once. Did you? And By that, I mean last week I went through Jet Splash and he was in the car behind me. Oh. But pretty much uh, we're homies now. You kind of like made eye contact once or twice. And, y- yep, yeah. in the rear view mirror. I was like, what's up, Greg? And he was like, yo, what's up, Ben? And uh, that was it. I made sure to like tip the, the dryers at the end just to flex on Austin to make sure he knew I, was, I, was, I would put my money where my mouth is. Anyway, so Elijah talked about the run game last week. This week. This week. This episode. Yeah, we're... we're <laughs> To oh my god, Stop. Alexa Alexa Stop Thank you All right. I'm not uh, sure if we're going to cut that or not but <laughs> That was strange That was super scary um, So Alexa is now <laughs> one of the hosts Hey Alexa, say hello to the listeners of the Husker Half Hour
1: Okay. That's well, classic. you're just helpless as a podcast host. <laughs> yes.
0: You're fired, Alexa. I'm unplugging you. Yeah, that's so, completely just derailed my train of thought. What were we even talking about? We were saying that we were transitioning into talking about the pass game this oh, week. Yeah, yeah. We barely touched on the quarterbacks in terms of their contributions to the run game in the, the last episode. Um, this episode, we'll talk quarterbacks a little because it's... But everyone's talking about the quarterback. Quarterback battle! Quarterback battle for the first time in a... Well, not even in a while since Adrian Martinez first showed up on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but a true quarterback battle in terms of both those guys are sticking around this time. So, so that's exciting. No one's transferring away after they lose a quarterback battle. That we know. Uh, that we know. Um, but McCaffrey's too good of a guy. You've seen him in the press conferences. He seems... He seems like he'll—he's a good team player. Seems like him and Adrian are friends. I love the McCaffrey family. They're, They're all so kind. Christian,
1: nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed, Broncos legend. Yeah, uh, lovely guy from what I've heard. Um, and then they You're... also have the quarterback of Michigan. He plays for Michigan, so he's probably Yo. a douchebag. Yeah. But... <laughs> well harbaugh turns anybody he touches into into a douchebag so
0: anywho what were we saying oh yeah we're talking about uh wide receiver room there's some good depth let's get into it elijah i don't know where to start how about you start us out what what are you most excited about about the wide receivers this year It's depth.
1: Mm -hmm. It's depth. Travis Fisher said uh, in one of the press conferences that last season, they had one, two, maybe three guys that they had to worry about in practice whenever they were going up against the ones, and I think we can name those guys. Mm -hmm. uh, in J.D. Spielman, um, maybe Mike Williams. Mm -hmm. And besides that, who, who else was there to worry about from the wide receiver room last year? Wandale. Oh, Wandale. I mean, but Wandale was kind of the hybrid running back wide receiver. So definitely yeah. we will, we will get into that. Um, but, those, but those, in terms the, of, those are the only guys I could ever see get any separation. Uh, yeah. Last year.
0: Well, in the issue was Cade Warner was actually what well, he was hurt with that. Uh, he tore his hamstring and he didn't he have, did he have turf toe issues before that or something else that was ailing him before the hammy. Um, but so there's no Cade Warner last year. Um, but yeah, I'd trying to think who else. Maybe they were getting burned by some guys speed wise, but none of them, really contributed much with that.
1: Yeah, but then look at the wide receiver room this year. Mm -hmm. The big premier name omar manning omar manning if you haven't heard omar manning's name by now you're probably not a real husker fan because i have seen every single husker journalist drinking the kool-aid on omar manning definitely well have you seen pictures of the dude who six foot four (laughs) built like that at wide he looks like an nfl player yeah he really does he just looks like an nfl wide receiver big big megatron vibes big megatron vibes yeah calvin johnson man Mm -hmm. i miss that dude yeah but omar manning the next calvin (laughs) johnson calvin johnson let's drink some
0: kool-aid yeah um but yeah he's shredded he's ripped he's got big biceps dude constantly look like someone's oiled him up like a wwe superstar if i look like that i'd have somebody i'd
1: just have somebody on payroll be my oil guy i'm going to
0: class oil me up yeah oil
1: me up come on get in here in this in this basic business class just like a little baby oil and that'd be perfect if you're oiled up because then if you like you ever get into a fight just randomly like because if you look like that you just tend to get into fights because you know that's just what happens because people try to you know prove that they're yeah, masculinity isn't bad. Yeah, so but and... if you always are covered in baby oil, yeah. they can't get a grip on you. Nope, they don't so, want to get a grip well, on you. Maybe, maybe Scott Frost personally oils up Omar Manning before God. games just Con- to make sure that the corners really can't jam him at the line. Yep. Is corn legal? Cornhusker fans
0: on Reddit uh, probably have strange, strange dreams about that.
1: Um, I personally wouldn't oil up omar manning i have better things i'd rather be doing and plus like oily hands right
0: let's move on uh omar manning (laughs) (laughs) omar manning uh shown up this year um actually he i guess he was here last year um wait no wait when did he come to campus Uh, in the summer summer oh so like a couple months ago uh coming out of texas yes
1: kilgore community college
0: community college um Hopefully an to impact. There's been some controversy recently that I haven't done a great job, honestly, following up on beyond seeing like strange things on Twitter about well, whether the, or not he's going to play. The
1: coaches have been very, very hush-hush about this. It seems to me that he's had a series of just small injuries that have held him out, and he is not in a place right now where he is ready to take on a a big role in the offense come week one, mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like to me. Where he's he's become discouraged by his little injuries, mm-hmm. he's slid down the depth chart, and right now he's not in a place where he is going to be the number one receiver come week one. Sure. So that's what it sounds like to me. Don't be expecting Omar Manning to be the number one guy. Yeah. Uh, but if he can get himself right and get himself healthy, that guy's just going to be otherworldly at wide receiver because when you're six four, that big, that fast,
0: right? Otherworldly plus the the role he plays within that wide receiver room. Uh, Who else do we have that's bringing that
1: height that's ready to play? No, we've got some younger guys that bring... Xavier Betts brings that height, but he's not necessarily Omar Manning. Right. (coughs) Bless you. (coughs) Bless you. I'm good now.
0: He's not necessarily Omar Manning. Um so more, let's let's lower our expectations a bit for how much time he's going to be on the field, um, how much he's going to actually contribute. Um, maybe we'll see some flashes of it against Ohio State. Maybe we'll see a couple of situational plays where he goes in. But fitness-wise, health-wise, we don't want to throw him out on the field. That's all. That's that's the only thing that sparked this rumor mill that he's transferring. Well, he
1: just he wasn't attending practices, uh, not this past week, but the week before, mm-hmm. um, where he missed a few. Uh, doesn't seem like there was clear communication between Omar and the coaches on why he missed. Uh, Not sure if that's uh he wasn't feeling healthy and he never didn't communicate to the coaches that he wasn't going to make it. Or if it was he was healthy but he was discouraged by his role so he decided to not show up because who wants to go to practice and be a fifth stringer besides mm-hmm. guys like me. Um, oh,
0: I can dream. Yeah. <laughs> How many Husker fans out there would dream of showing up and being a fifth stringer until they just get absolutely mauled by by everybody in the in the ones and
1: twos what are no, I'd No, I'd, like, I'd like... If Cam Taylor Britt came and, like, really just destroyed me, it'd Hello. be an honor. Oh, wow. Huh. Hey, hey. There's <laughs> been a lot of weird dreams.
0: <laughs> a lot of weird dreams coming up in this episode. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt, Omar Manning. Whew. Yeah, but... We okay, should but, really do an episode where we talk about the most attractive Husker players. No, we should Speaking shouldn't. of which, let's talk about Cade Warner's mustache, Elijah. We gotta talk about it. Um it is a fine fine mustache it's excessive it is like 70s porn star oh, vibes yeah. for sure uh he said he's he he did it covid wise he usually shaves it uh after fall camp um maybe we'll start a little petition uh send it out for him to to keep the stash i hate the mustache you know why <laughs> it makes me feel
1: bad about my mustache <gasps> I can never grow anything as glorious as that. Oh, it's so thick. And we're like the same age too, no, so it's not even yeah, like, uh, yeah. oh, he's just older than me. He can grow a better facial No, no. It just no.
0: makes me feel like a real bitch. No, yeah, yeah. You, well, you are. And <laughs> yeah. uh, um, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta rock what your body gives you, Elijah. You just gotta rock it. You gotta own, own what you've got over there. Um, it's coming in. It's coming in nicely. Uh, let me tell you, he's he's uh, he's rocking what his body's giving him.
1: I, I so, really hate that phrase. <laughs> uh, Let's move on to the other host- the other wide receivers. But um, oh, you but want to talk with, more? No, mustache? with
0: Cade Warner, I think I think it can't be understated how how important he is to the wide receiver room this year. Um, and I think the way I see this the most is just wide receiver room culture going into this year. And I think Cade Warner is a huge part of that. Um, he obviously just recently was uh, awarded a scholarship. scholarship. He was a walk on player. Um, man. If it wasn't for the injuries last year, I feel as though he probably would have been awarded that scholarship last year. I was impressed his first year here with his reliability. Obviously, mm. he didn't make huge, huge, um, flashy Splash plays. plays. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but but his reliability—he was always a good checkdown guy. Um, and now, right, his—I think from what I've heard, his leadership has been invaluable. Um, you know, there's the stories that I'm sure everybody's been hearing about with, um, during COVID Cade Warner sitting around, he's playing video games. He's bored. He's like many of us in the United States. Uh, those, those early days in the spring where things were actually locked down around here, there wasn't much to do. He texts the other wide receivers and says, yo, who wants to come over and watch some film with me? I'm just playing video games over here. I, I need people with me and I want to talk about football. Um, I miss football. So some of those younger wide receivers come over, they watch film with him. Um, and that has continued on now, uh, where he initiated that as a leader, he stepped away, he stopped inviting people and people kept texting him and reaching out to watch the film. Um, and now that the NFL is going on, people are still going over to his house. Uh, they're watching Monday night football, Thursday night football. They're drawing up plays. Um, Austin Allen has said that there's a whiteboard in their, in their house that they, 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 chalkboard up the plays that they see and analyze some of those NFL defenses and offenses, which is wild. Um, and tell me that you could experience or experience that you could imagine J.D. Spielman doing any of this.
1: Ooh, Ooh, yeah. that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, don't want to throw J.D. under the bus because he was dealing with a myriad of issues last year. Yeah. Uh, but essentially no, mm-hmm. J.D. uh, from all accounts, wasn't that kind of leader. And not everyone is built to be a leader. Sure. Not everyone is the type of guy who is going to rally the troops and say, all right, enough is enough. Uh, I'm going to make us good. I'm going to I'm gonna will us mm-hmm. uh, to get better. Mm-hmm. And not everyone's that kind of guy. Yeah, some people are leaders and some people are followers. Definitely. And uh, this, the Husker team as a whole last year, in the past five years, has felt like a team that's been devoid of veteran leadership. Yeah, like vocal leadership. We
0: had... You had at some positions. I think this would be the whole team um, that I see. We had one position player here that was pretty good and vocal, and one position player here that was pretty good and vocal, and that was about it, right? I, I think I saw that on the defense. Some, a couple of uh, you know, like Mo Berry being pretty vocal, um, Darian Daniels being pretty vocal, but. Like across the board, not a lot of self leadership. A couple mm. of very vocal leaders trying to get everybody going. And I think this year, um, I'm seeing a lot more self leadership across the board. Um, slash, in this example, right, instead of a silent leader, by example, we're getting some some people who are who are actually doing the hard work. They're actually reaching out to people. They're like building that team culture across the board. And I think I think Warner is a great example of that. Um, not that that couldn't have happened if JD stayed. But sometimes I think that vacuum that exists when somebody leaves or when a leader leaves, the vacuum that exists um, forces some people to step up and, and become greater leaders than they would. I don't know if Kid Warner would have done that if JD was still here, right? Sometimes you, there's no reason to step up as a leader when there's somebody else who's supposed to be the leader. I don't want to step on someone's toes. They're supposed to be the leader. I don't want to you know, overstep JD in this, whatever that looks like. Maybe Cade Warner still would have stepped up. Maybe he still would have started leading people, but the vacuum that exists for sure creates people like Warner and you know Wandale who step in as leaders now because that vacuum exists. And I think I think for the wide receiver room as a whole, this is this is creating a stronger core than there would have been this year if JD would have been here. My my opinion. Hmm.
1: Um, Let me let's just look now at, at who is in that room. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because the problem last year was you had two, maybe three guys Yep, that could make plays. Uh, that sure, you open. started
0: off by saying that and we got distracted. Yeah,
1: but I mean, s- s- what you need in the wide receiver room is about a two deep of guys that can all step in and go make plays. So mm-hmm. that's six, seven guys.
0: Do you mean that just in terms of being fresh, fresh legs out yes. on the field, subbing in and out, especially within the Frost offense, they like being able to do that. What was the stat when they were at UCF of the amount of people who touched the ball? I mean, they, they spread out the ball a lot in in their offensive system right mm-hmm. it's it's creating openings for different people check downs wise um, a lot of different people are touching the
1: ball and that means that you need more than one deep at wide receiver. I, I think they average something like nine or ten guys a game who got touches mm-hmm. which is freaking ridiculous yeah that nine or ten i mean you look at an look at the saints look at like before they lost michael thomas it was michael thomas alvin Kamara, uh and jared cook getting touches for that saints offense there's like four guys right and you look at Scott Frost's office at UCF, and it's about nine or ten guys who reach getting two yeah. three receptions. Pretty wild, yeah. Which is wild. Much, much
0: more plug-and-play into the system.
1: But, I mean, when you look at that wide receiver room this year, mm-hmm. the number one guy I'm going to start off with is Omar Manning. Mm-hmm. He's the big get. We're not sure what his status is for week one. But that's one guy you're expecting. Once he sees the field, once he's ready to be in that offense, he's going to make an impact. Mm-hmm. You also have Wandale. We saw Wandale last year, uh, and he says that he's going to be playing a lot less uh, running back this year. We're not going to need him yeah. running back, which gives him a lot more. That's huge a lot more of a chance out in the slot to be a runner to be, he's going to fill that JD Spielman role.
0: Yeah. He was talking recently about how, how instead of now last year he was prepping for, uh, corners, safeties, and then also inside linebackers and like watching a lot of film. Cause he didn't know where he was going to be. Now he can really s- specialize on watching who's going to be across the ball from yeah. him at cornerback and safety. Um, maybe outside linebacker if he's getting picked up kind of in that weird slot position. But, um, Anyway, he's able to focus on that and he's he's been practicing more of those skills like um fine details of his route running getting off of getting off of cornerbacks getting open um those little moves he said he's been able to to focus on those which is encouraging at least in the press conference the other day. and
1: and you got to assume those are your your top two guys for the offense once it gets rolling yeah uh despite all the the drama surrounding omar manning is you got to assume that it's omar manning wandale one two
0: right which is huge because the last time we've been able to have a one two like that was morgan and spielman Yeah. yeah exactly and and you know we all know Stanley Morgan, not the, the height that we needed in that one too, but the playmaking ability and the ability to go up for stuff still. Um, but the last time we had that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and the problem whenever we had those two guys, if you say it was a problem, was there was no third option. Mm-hmm. You did have teams that could find a way to slow down both those guys. Right. And that team didn't have a third option. Well, you got a, uh, just a wide selection of who could be that third option this year. Definitely. Uh, sticking in the wide receiver room, you mentioned Cade Warner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also look at Xavier Betts coming in from Omaha. Yeah, uh, he's a great option. Uh, you have heard a lot about Levi Falk, who is not the sexiest option, um, but he's coming in as a grad transfer. We just are talking about how attractive people
0: are today. I don't know what you're saying. I'm he's not. It's not, not, not the sexiest th- option. Okay, it's I, fine, Elijah. It's not all about how attractive they are. Cade Warren's mustache, Nomar Manning <laughs> might be more sexy options, but we'll play him if
1: he's good, good player. I would say sexiest name, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sheesh. Be specific with how sexy things are. Yeah. Um, um, but he, he's another guy. But then you also have a uh, three guys in the tight end room. Uh, all of whom yeah. have shown themselves the ability to flash talent in the passing game. Uh, Jack Stoll, Austin mm-hmm. Allen, uh, and Travis Vokalek, although we haven't seen him on the yeah. field. uh, He got playtime at Rutgers and he was scout team player of the year last year. Yeah. Which when you look back at the past 10 years of who won scout team MVP, mm-hmm. it's guys that usually end up making a difference on the offense. Yeah. And, and we have yet to talk about Lubick and,
0: and his influence on the offense here. We'll maybe talk about that towards the end, but with that many tight ends that are playmakers, what kind of positions do they set up? What kind of formations do they set up to, to get those guys on the field, right? Frost always talks about getting the biggest playmakers out there with the guys who are going to make plays, um, win football games to get them on the field. If that means that we have three really talented tight ends, how do we get two tight end sets out more often? Oh yeah. Or, you know, those tight ends abilities to be standing off, you know, detached from the line,
1: um, more of that slot position. They want to do that. Um, but by all accounts, Travis Vokalek is the best run blocker in that group of definitely, the three, definitely. and that is something that the tight ends have. I shouldn't say oh. lacked, but they've been average in the run. They've been average in the pass. We
0: have. We didn't even talk about that in the run game episode. How the tight ends can. I guess maybe that makes sense. But that's okay. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't talk about the tight end contributions to the run game. Um, last time, when when did we have a tight end that could contribute to the run game? I mean, Foster, Tra- maybe. Yeah,
1: Travis Vokalec, 6'5", 250. Yeah, and. Again, as I said, the word from Lubick, the word from the other tight ends, the word from Austin Allen, mm-hmm. is Volkalec is a hell of a run blocker. Mm-hmm. I like that. Cool. If, you, if you have a hell of a run blocker at tight end, that now pretty much means you have a sixth offensive lineman who right. can also go out and catch passes. Yep. So I, I think that's huge just for a defense now to account for that. That this guy is just as good setting up the run as he is getting out and catching a pass. Mm-hmm. And I think that is another area that Coming into the Big
0: Ten, we were expecting a lot of production from tight ends after what we had seen at UCF, um, and we hadn't, we still haven't really gotten that production that we were expecting. Um, curious now if maybe we have the personnel and and the settings to be able to do that or or not. I'm curious what tight end production will look like this year. From what camp, what we've heard in camp is that they've been catching a lot of passes um, and getting really good looks. So, um, I know that the offense loves scheming up things to get specific people open. And I think it's going to be interesting to see. I I think the
1: clue for us for how much this tight end group is going to get involved this year is look at the recruiting efforts. They've Mm -hmm. gone and pulled in three tight ends for that class of 2021. Yep. Yeah. I I think that speaks a to what Lubick wants to do with his offense. I think he wants to get the tight end more involved. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also think it it speaks to what we're going to see from the tight end this year, because those three guys are, they're all different. Fadoni, while being a beast, uh, for his high school, he spends a lot of time split out, away from the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. mat- getting a good matchup, running routes. Yep. And then you see a guy like A.J. Rollins, who is always hand in the dirt. He is a guy who is going to be run-blocking, 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 and leaking out for a pass, mm-hmm. making a play. Yeah. And then you have uh, the guy in J- James Carney mm-hmm. uh, from Norris, who is kind of the best of both worlds. You've seen him split out. You've seen him block. So I, I think that's what you're seeing from from Lubick this year is you got a guy in Vokalek who's a great run blocker. Right. You get a guy in Austin Allen who's a great pass catcher. Right. And then you got a guy in Jack Stoll, Stoll who's the best kind of both. Hybrid.
0: Yeah. Wow. That is fascinating.
1: So um, I, I think it's the, the the point of the tight end position this year is going to be we can have a tight end out there and you don't know. Are right. are we gonna run the ball? Are we gonna pass the ball? Yeah. It could be either, and we we have guys that can do either.
0: Definitely, which
1: is also just this this system
0: of offenses that we want we want to keep personnel out there that can do everything that mm-hmm. that can you know that duck our position, bring them into the backfield, bring them out, um, tight end that can catch balls that can block. Um, we want to be able to leave the playmakers on the field, run really fast, not make substitutions, and move into different formations, which. I suppose it's all we're, we're finally starting to recruit this into the system, which is quite exciting.
1: So there are weapons, yeah, for the quarterback. We got about ten minutes left here. Is that enough time to to get in, into the quarterback position?
0: Uh, yeah, I I think there's less to talk about than people people make it sound. It's been in the news a lot this past week. You're giving me eyes like you disagree. I don't think there's that much to talk about. Hot take.
1: You go for it, and I will see if I agree with you. I will say that prior to game one. Uh huh. Against Ohio State, there's not that much to talk about. Yes. Coming off a COVID year where Adrian was hurt last year, mm-hmm. it is Adrian's job and it's his job to lose. And mm-hmm. he's not gonna lose that job in fall camp. Yes. Whenever you've been a two year starter at a school, um you hear it all the time, Oh, you can't you gotta have a short memory as a coach. Like you can't you can't think back to last year and, and judging your quarterbacks this year. Mm-hmm. To hell with that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, You can look back to Adrian two years ago and say, hey, I remember he was healthy. This is what he could do. Right. I remember him in fall camp last year when he was healthy. Right. He looked pretty good. And then he got banged up pretty early in the year. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to... From what we've seen from Scott Frost, he has shown that he's going to ride with his guy mm -hmm. and tell that guy makes it clear that there's a better option.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, even look at the way that they treated Vedral last year. Mm -hmm. Um, He was riding with Adrian when Vedral. Supposedly, in in the spring as well, was playing better than than Adrian was, and and going into last year, was at least seemingly on par in terms of production offensively, passing, touchdown wise. Um, and he rode with Adrian still, even though Adrian was hurt. Like, if that doesn't speak to the fact that Frost likes to ride with the person, then then I don't know what does. I mean,
1: and I think Husker fans are keeping their hopes up here for Luke McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Because look at the last couple quarterback battles we've had. Right. We had Jebby and Martinez mm-hmm. uh, back in 2018, mm-hmm. which everyone thought uh, it's probably Jebby's job to lose. He's the guy who's been here a while. We've seen him a lot. Martinez is his true freshman. Uh, it's probably Jebby's job to lose, but we like Martinez. We're hopeful for him. And mm-hmm. guess who ends up winning? Martinez. Right. And you look back before that, the last real quarterback battle was the Martinez, Cody Green, Zach Lee battle. Uh-huh. And you thought, wow, we've heard a lot of great things about uh, about Taylor Martinez this year. But, I mean, Zach Lee's he's been the guy. And Cody Green's the guy who's been in the program, too. I mean, uh, yeah, maybe Martinez making plays. We'll see him on the field, but he's not going to start. And then come game one, right? Taylor Martinez is the starter. So, I think Husker fans have gotten spoiled by this surprise choice come week one that they're still like, maybe it's McCaffrey, maybe right. it's McCaffrey. And mm-hmm. it's not going to be McCaffrey. Hmm. Come game one, and we're releasing this episode on Monday. Yeah. So hopefully that doesn't come to. Thank you for saying that. Hopefully it doesn't come back to bite me by Friday mm-hmm. or Saturday, mm-hmm. whenever we learn that it is uh, Luke McCaffrey. But oh, I would be shocked. Yeah, right now I'm about ninety percent. Right. Adrian's going to be the guy come Ohio yeah. State, but mm-hmm. Luke's going to get play time against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. The coaching staff are idiots if they saw what they saw last year and they saw so what we've been hearing out of fall camps that. Luke's been making plays. Right. And it's it's a race. Mm-hmm. It's close. Mm-hmm. It's competitive. Uh, I, I think at the moment, that's talk to just get Adrian motivated. Like say Definitely. hey. Thank there's you. there's a guy behind you. This isn't a Adrian, you could lose your job for week one. This is a hey Adrian, if you take Fall Camp not as seriously as you did two years ago, um we, we heard last year he may have been a little lax as we heard from Verdusco. Right. Uh so if, you were, if you're were if lax this year, we got a guy right behind you who we are very, very confident in that can come in and lead this offense. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think it's a, Adrian, be scared. It's a, Adrian, we just want to let you know that you're not irreplaceable.
0: Right. Yes, definitely. Thank you. That is the message I needed to hear because that's what I've been feeling the past week that I think much of it is tactical to to keep Adrian honest, to give him a reason to keep competing. I think that those two guys challenge each other. Adrian last year went in complacent. He said that, uh, he went in knowing the job was his and we saw what happened with that. Um, right. Got in his own head. Uh, there was really no one there that, I mean, he knew he had the job locked up, um, and this year I think it's important for him to realize that he needs to compete with himself and with somebody else. So yeah. I think that's huge. I think the fact that they haven't really said anything about it speaks into that. I think they want to keep that around for Adrian a little longer. Who knows? Maybe this week it, it shakes out into more of a one and a two. But I also I don't know Nebraska fans' fascination. Personally, everyone's obsessing about getting both of them on the field at the same time. I don't know. I don't really buy into that hype at all. I think you just keep your quarterback out there and you put the other playmakers out. You put it. You put in. You put in another running back. You put in. I, I don't. I don't see the fascination of putting McCaffrey and Martinez on the field at the same time. You, I'm with you.
1: Okay. I, there's a difference between putting them out there at the same time and putting him in at all. Yeah. I think if Luke McCaffrey is going to be on the field, it's going to be as a quarterback. hmm Uh, he Scott Frost isn't a gadget type guy in yeah my, in my book he's mm-hmm. not like hey let's throw luke out there at receiver and throw him a screen because the defense knows he might be able to throw it but
0: people don't think that people think that that the he is that he'll make up a play to get the players out there that he wants out there
1: i, I see it much more i we talked about the saints just a bit ago mm-hmm. i'm gonna talk about the saints again because of taysom hill mm-hmm. when you see Taysom Hill out there he's a do-it-all player yeah uh he's goes out there he's blocking he, he's not a gadget type player for that saints offense mm-hmm. it's they're not throwing the ball to taysom hill to give that double like oh he could throw the ball here they're not they're not bringing him as a blocker because it it, it does make the defense think a little bit but they're not using him as a player that's just there to fuck with the defense right when they bring him in at quarterback he has a very specific role yeah he's going in at quarterback because it's third and short and they're gonna they're gonna use his his running ability Mm -hmm. to keep the defense thinking it's not oh man we got this guy at receiver Oh, we got to think about that. He's also a quarterback. That's that's not what Scott wants to do with Luke McCaffrey. Right. He, I think he wants to put Luke McCaffrey in, on, second and goal from the nine yard line, mm-hmm. and say, "Hey, Luke, um, we're gonna roll you out here, and pick up four yards with your legs if you can, or throw the ball to the end zone. Right. Like we don't need to score here, but yeah. we need a, a few yards." And your your dual threat here, and the defense not seeing y'all drive, gives us a new option, gives us a new a new sure. wrinkle to throw in. There. Okay,
0: I was just about to argue with that and say that what's the difference between using McCaffrey and keeping Adrian on the field? But I could see giving a new look that makes them maybe think we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, potentially that could change. I, I don't
1: think we're going to see something where we got Adrian Martinez at quarterback, Luke McCaffrey at running back, or Adrian at quarterback and Luke at wide receiver. Right. I think if Luke McCaffrey's on the field, it means Adrian standing right next to Scott Frost, right, and Scott Frost telling him, hey. If he picks up the five yards here, we're going this year right now. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to be uh we're we're gonna have both those guys in the offense at the same time yeah. to really just mess with the defense. No, that's not that's not Scott style.
0: Yeah, I I'd agree with that. Thank you. I think I don't see that. I don't see that in the media. Maybe that's because people are writing to and speaking about what people want to hear. And people, I think there's there's a lot of Nebraska fans that want both of them on the field at the same time for whatever reason. I don't. I think I'd rather have a bonafide running back on the field rather than a Martinez McCaffrey combo. Dude, that's that's stupid to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's stupid to me. I know Luke's athletic, but he's still a quarterback. The only thing I can see is like a, is like a double pass type situation or like a, a jet sweep pass option RPO. Yeah. If
1: if you were to, to take it and hand it off behind you, then Luke could throw the ball, but maybe that that seems too gadgety. Just do, just do
0: just like a quick, a quick like rollout or like a, like a jet out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah
1: is yeah Luke brings some stuff to this offense but I don't think that's a gadget player yeah definitely
0: wow thank you Elijah kind of a hot take for some reason maybe do you disagree with the fact that that's a hot take I feel like people talk about it way too much and I'm I'm super tired of it I I
1: think among people who are Luke McCaffrey fans Uh that's a hot take I think they want to see him on the field a lot this year and it's not going to be a lot we're going to see him right I I look at how they used him in the Iowa game last Mm -hmm. year Uh, I, I see it as a little more extensive than that but more as a Hey, it's third and short. We need to freeze down Luke, get it done. Or, Hey, we've had three and outs in the past three drives. We need something to spark us here. Mm-hmm. Luke, go give us a spark. And then we'll throw Adrian back in next drive to see if we can get that offense rolling a little bit. Definitely.
0: Um, Elijah, we are almost at the 30 minute Mark. Um, per usual, the Husker half hour, it turns into the Husker half hour and five minutes. Um, but I think we would be remiss to not talk about this. Um, we've talked about the wide receiver room. We've talked about the quarterbacks. Um, I'm curious your take on Lubick and what he brings to the new offense. Does it, is it new? Is it not? Um, what's he bringing in here? Um, that I, I also think that there's not a lot of info on that and people haven't talked about it a lot beyond being a little excited. I'm really excited for it, but what what do you think? What does Lubick bring to the offense that is different this year from, from Walter's last year? The number one
1: thing is just cohesiveness between the offensive coordinator and the head coach. Uh, they've worked together a lot, uh-huh. uh, back to the days of Oregon and, the, the talk with Walters whenever he came in was he, he's looking for a move up. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to go do something else. He either wants to be in the NFL mm-hmm. or he wants his own head coaching gig somewhere else in college mm-hmm. uh, that he wasn't in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And I think that created some conflicts between, between Scott and Walters mm-hmm. and Walters is now up with the Bengals. Great for him. Right. Um, yeah. Don't wish him poorly at all. Yeah. Um, no, great guy. Uh, yeah. Great guy. And uh, I, I think he, he left the right way.
0: Yeah. And he then, was he, a good, he was a good wide receivers coach as
1: well. Yeah. Uh, uh. I think that's the biggest area where I think Lubick's coming in. And he's going to be mm, a success. Is, really? is he was uh, he was burnt out of coaching. He spent a year away from it, living in Colorado. That's right. Uh, what was he? I think he was like doing something, something with insurance. I think I want to say. I have no something. clue. But he was. I know he said he drank a lot of pop and watched a lot of college football. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but whenever he was working for Ed Orgeron mm-hmm. uh, down at Ole Miss, he won assistant coach of the year from the NCAA mm-hmm. and that was as a wide receivers coach mm-hmm. and then he was a offense coordinator at Washington where they were doing great things with that offense under uh, Peterson yeah definitely uh so I think he just brings a cohesiveness with Scott as I said but I think yeah. b he just brings experience as just a purely wide receivers coach who has been everywhere and been under a lot of different systems and, and kind of knows yeah, how to work with different types of guys and different body types and different conferences. Sure,
0: yeah, and he was kind of Scott's side chick the whole time, you know, on the weekends or week, late late at night. Scott's hitting up Lubick's phone, like, "Hey, you up? Yeah, I want to talk about football." <laughs> <laughs> so he's he's uh, Walters Walters was his main guy. Lubick was a side chick. Um. I- it, it, I am curious. I think offensive mindedly, I think the two of them, Frost and Lubick kind of play off of each other. And I think I'm interested to see what kind of stuff they draw up together, especially with Lubick being that outside perspective last year, Um, being able to watch what we have going into this year, even knowing kind of what Scott likes to run on offense. I I can picture the two of them both being two guys that love football and love drawing up fun stuff and experimenting with things. And so, especially with COVID, I think, for Nebraska with the coaches we have and the players we have the break with COVID I think is going to be really beneficial. Guys had a chance to watch film. We had a chance to maybe install some offense, not on the field obviously, but, but for coaches to be able to look at what we have and schematically think of what are our bread and butter going to be? What are we going to run? You know, what are we going to draw up?
1: Um, which I think going into Ohio state is going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. Lubick said uh, a lot of self-scouting was done Mm -hmm. through COVID. So, I mean, you can look at it and say, this didn't work for us. But from my experience at Washington, my experience with different coaching staffs at Ole Miss, wherever Mm -hmm. he can throw in a new wrinkle and say, this play didn't work because of this. Mm -hmm. So we've thrown in that. That's what players have been saying in the press conferences with Lubick is that he's been taking their system from last year and making small tweaks, small adjustments to make it work better with the personnel. Definitely. Which is huge that we're not, it's not an entire offensive
0: overhaul. Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's tweaking things. And so player wise, much more, you know, uh, an easy transition between those those two coaches um i'm really excited to see what happens with the passing game because of that so. yeah
1: and adrian took a lot of the blame last year this is our your little if you missed everything else if you zoned out we're wrapping up the show yep adrian was not great last year i think it's because quarterbacks take a lot of the blame for things that are out of their control mm-hmm. be it injuries be it the talent around you mm-hmm. uh bad snaps um, mm-hmm. getting pressure off the outside because your right tackle can't block anybody. Definitely. Um, A, a lot of things he was taking blame for, mm-hmm. and I think now um, better pieces around him, uh, a more cohesive relationship between Scott Frost, the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I think things should get better this year. How much better? I don't know. Enough to win games? Enough to, for the offense to, to put the weight on their shoulders and win the game? I mean, the offense this year, uh, we'll talk about the defense next episode, but it's, it's looking like they're going to be putting up Thirty plus points a game to be in the games that they're playing. Definitely, because that's just how college football is going. We'll get into the defense next episode, though. It was a fun half hour plus five minutes. Yeah, uh, it's five. As- it, that's like a little five minute. It's like it's like whenever there's like the. Uh, like you get your fries in uh-huh. the bag. Uh-huh. and There's another couple of extra fries in the <laughs> yeah. bottom. It's the like, extra
0: five minutes at the end of our episodes are the fries in the
1: bottom. Yeah, like you think you're done with the fries uh-huh. and like you're like wow those were good. Yeah, I wish I had some more. And you look in the bag and you go wow yeah. another five fries. Yes. Do you ever spill some fries just because you like that feeling?
0: No. Okay. Well, because that, that ruins fun of us. the surprise. <laughs>
1: Then I go, ah, this this uh, this carton looks limpty, but it's okay because there's some in the bottom. Like It ruins some... No.
0: Yeah. So this was the fun little f- five minutes of, of fries. After you think you're full, you realize you're not. You want a little more. And uh, that's what these five minutes were. Thanks for hanging with us. We're so excited for this weekend.
1: Next episode, episode three of the year, is defense. Yeah. I'm not going to miss it. Uh, I think it should be up right now. We're going to be posting all these episodes at the same yeah, time. Yeah, so go so, binge it if you want. Look for it. Yeah. Plus a half hour. Ben Herbal, Elijah Herbal, signing off until next time. Adios.